Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. I'm going to be my own first guest today on the show. I know I do this maybe once a year, it seems to me. January is the right month. It's the month where you think new beginnings and short days, dark days could get you sort of contemplating your navel, as it were. And I've looked back at some of the themes that I've been writing about and talking about and interviewing people about over the last 14 years, but particularly the last year. And I just wanted to reiterate some of them and and make clear what really matters to me, because I do hope that what matters to me eventually trickles down and matters to you. And it may not be what the mainstream is telling you, whatever we mean by the mainstream. Uh, I hope that you aren't getting your advice and information from, I don't know, Instagram or TikTok. I mean, it's fine if you want to be amused, but I'm glad that those of you who have stuck with me and stuck by me and shared this show with your friends you know that I I do take seriously our relationship with our cats and dogs. It matters to me a lot that we do right by them. I'm not the world's biggest fan of, you know, who's a better friend to us, a dog or a cat. And it's so great how my dog sticks by me when I'm anxious or, or when I'm depressed or when I'm lonely. I mean, it's fine that that's how dogs can function and that that's how they've evolved with us. I'm also really, really hopeful that you've had a chance to listen to many of the interviews with animal behaviorists, dog trainers, where the, the, the theme I think that emerged was, how are the dogs doing? How are they feeling? What kind of life are we offering them? And I think that the main word that comes to mind for me is freedom and agency and choice, that our dogs are not constantly being babbled to by us so that when we have them out and about, whether it's on a leash or off a leash, that we aren't constantly interrupting their ability to be a dog. This is something Amy Sadler, who's one of my favorite dog trainers, said to me years ago. We were with our dogs loose in the woods, and I was often, I think a lot of you would not be surprised, chattering to the dogs. Oh, that's very good, Lulu. Oh, over there, Billy. And she suggested that we not talk to them so much at the times when they might like to just be real dogs. 
It was an interesting idea to give them that space to just listen to their nose and their own ears and not have the constant flow of interruption from us, which we sometimes like to think of, oh, we're just expressing our connection and the human-animal bond. And sometimes I think we just need to let them be dogs. And the choice, again, the choice to the extent that you can offer that, obviously not in every aspect of their life. You live in an apartment building. You can't give the choice to the dog of when, where, and how he wants to go for a walk. But when you go for that walk, please make it the dog's walk. Don't be on your cell phone the whole time talking to somebody and being completely unconscious about where the leash is and where the dog is. And if he or she wants to stop and sniff something or pee or maybe with any luck, you know, get a pizza crust. In some cities, this is this is hunting for a dog. Of course, I don't want you to let them have every pizza crust, but just the idea that you pay attention to them and what makes them happy and what allows them to sort of expand their own dogness without constant interference or lack of, uh, I guess, interference from us. So that's, I think, a really important thing about dogs. Also, the use of adjectives. There's a lot of negative adjectives being thrown around by people about their beloved dogs, but they use words to describe their dog's behavior as bossy, mean-spirited, jealous, mean. When most of that dog behavior that they're describing in such a negative way comes from fear, and I think that's something that it's hard for us to acknowledge, but it isn't hard for us to help them with and deal with. A lot of dogs are fearful. It's either in their DNA, literally genetically pre-wired, or they've had life experiences, and it isn't necessarily because they've had a miserable childhood in, in some you know hoarding situation, although many of you have dogs like that, and they do blossom. It can be just the way you raise the dog. COVID has been so tough on the dog-human relationship and on many, many dogs who were adopted or born during COVID and had no socialization. They haven't seen people. They haven't seen moving vehicles, the sounds of all the mechanization of, of modern life. And they certainly haven't seen lots of other kinds of creatures, whether two-legged or four-legged. The dogs are scared and confused. So it's important that we pay attention to that. And whether it's the use of some high-quality CBD before you go on a walk or before a visitor visits so that the dog has some of that anxiety is tamped down or some of that reactivity is tamped down or understanding and working with a trainer to lessen the dog's reactivity, whether it's to children or to other dogs, and then protecting them by not enforcing that they be in situations where they act in ways that you don't like, but from their point of view, they're showing their own displeasure. So I think that a lot more attentiveness to who a dog is and who he or she wants to be and can be is really important and something that has been forgotten because, of course, we are humans and what matters to us more than anything is us. That's just how we are wired. As far as kitty cats and food, as I say to the, the companies that, that make cat food and many of the, the vets and other purveyors of services and products in the, in the pet world, I don't seem to have made a huge impact or dent in the fact that 98% of you still feed highly processed 
commercial carbohydrate food. Now, I laugh when I say that. I understand that I am only a tiny blip on the radar of feline ownership. However, to the extent that any of you could please embrace the idea of feeding as much wet food as you can afford, as you can get your hands on, and the highest possible quality, again, that you can afford and get your hands on, is going to greatly improve the health and longevity of your cat. The science behind that may not be as evident to you or your veterinarian as it could be because there is no motivation to prove that other than the cat doctors who deal only with felines and see the epidemic of diabetes in cats. That epidemic is caused, as you know, from my many conversations about kitty crack with Dr. Elizabeth Hodgkins and other great experts, as well as my own investigative reporting, it's caused by feeding the wrong food to an obligate carnivore. So if you would so kindly stop for a minute and think, okay, I can do that. I will only feed kitty crack when I absolutely have to, or maybe even only one of the two meals a day. Although, as we know, cats, when they get seriously addicted to dry food that has been created to addict them to it or make it appealing to them, it's called palatance, but it's really a way to get them to want that food and that food only, a crunchy, highly processed carbohydrate that is not a natural food for any feline, but they can be taught to eat it and then they don't want anything else. It would be great to incorporate more of it, please, into their diet. Your cat will, I, you know, you know my checklist is is almost every finger, every finger on both hands. They will lose weight. They will become silkier and shinier. They will shed less. They will make less mess in the litter box. They will become more affectionate and friendly. And those of and and the, and the list goes on and on. They certainly will become more playful, and 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 have more mobility because they're feeling better, because their gut is working correctly instead of trying to process the wrong food. And also they've dropped some of that weight, which is packed on with the wrong food. So if you all recall back when I was live on Sirius with on the Martha Stewart channel for seven and a half years, the very first time that the amazing family that created Waruva Cat Food um, got in, in touch with me and start, we started to work together because their food is all wet food, no dry food. And we did the Waruva Biggest Kitty Loser Contest, just taking your cat off of dry food for two weeks. People called in. I mean, honestly, the phones practically crashed, reporting all of these great effects of feeding wet food. The better quality you can is great, but honestly, just the less dry food you can feed, the better. Having said that, Dr. Elsie has come out with the only dry food which has the right protein and the right protein levels for cats. So there's many people that work and have long hours away from home or other reasons to feed dry food. So there is that solution. The last thing that I want to talk about is a topic that is going to be a new theme for 2023, something I've just been awoken to by going to the veterinary conference in Orlando, the VMX conference it's the East Coast National Veterinary Conference. Extraordinary. So many brilliant speakers, so many amazing pieces of information. But the thing that I came away with, and you are going to hear a number of interviews over the ensuing months, 
is the topic of diversity and inclusiveness and the total lack of it or gross lack of it in the veterinary field. I met some very powerful, powerful thinking people, vets of color and, oh, and others who were not of color and were women who I guess no longer is that a minority. It's the majority in the veterinary field. But there's a lot for us to be aware of. There's a lot of people out there who should should and could join the veterinary field if there was diversity and inclusiveness and they felt comfortable and safe and there were pathways created for them. We need more vets. We need more vet techs. The field is full of people who are burning out and not enough of them. And those of us on the receiving end know it's really hard to find a vet or to get an appointment. So we're going to talk a lot about a lot about diversity and inclusiveness. As a white woman, I feel I had felt for a while that, yikes, is it my place to do that? Who am I to take that mantle? But the women and men that I spoke to of color who were part of very serious organizations within the veterinary field about diversity and inclusiveness, they said, we need you to do that. So I will be doing that, and I hope I can raise the consciousness of many of us who may just have been completely blind and not aware of the need for many different people of different persuasions and LGBTQ community to, to feel comfortable and at home and safe and welcome in the veterinary field. So that's it for now. I'm not saying I'm not going to come back during the year and give you another little wrap-up. For now, I just want to say thank you all for listening. Thank you for caring so much about the truth and about information and about the emotional and physical wellness of your cats and dogs. I love you for that. And I want to be here for you for that. And in 2023, I'm going to be giving you, I hope, many more tools in your toolbox to be a great guardian owner parent of your pets. Thanks so much for being a fan of this show. Thank you for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support all of these companies because they stand behind my mission, which is to bring you delightfully informative pet talk radio. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like no-hide chews and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Weimaraner Maisie will eat. I'm very grateful also to Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two extraordinary women, Allison and Hannah, who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thanks again for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.